streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. triumphal entry where he rode in on um, a donkey in fulfillment of Zechariah 9.9. Mary had anointed him for his burial there in Bethany. The Greeks in Jerusalem, um, who were in Jerusalem for Passover, had come to seek Jesus. And here now Jesus proclaims that his hour has come. His hour has come to die to defeat the ruler of this world, and to glorify his Father. This, what we are reading today, are Jesus' last public words before he goes to have his last Passover with his disciples, then on to Gethsemane and his arrest and his trial before Caiaphas and Pilate. So this is his last public pronunciation before these events. So I'm going to start in verse 36 of John 12, 36b. Um, These things Jesus spoke, and he departed and hid himself from them. But though he had performed so many signs before them, yet (coughs) they were not believing in him. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Let me say that again. But though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing in him. It is astounding to us, isn't it, that in spite of the overwhelming evidence of who he is and the miracles he's performed, the rulers of the Jewish nation would not believe on him. But Jesus is about to make it clear 
that actually their unbelief is fulfillment of the prophetic. It's fulfillment of Scripture. It's because he says in verse 38 that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Oh, has that been our catchphrase around here or what, guys, right? Especially, Matt, especially you. Um, when, when it says, who has believed our report, it doesn't mean no one believes, but it means who has. There's very few. Only here and there are those who actually believe the report of the Lord. And as I said, this has been our, at least it's been mine. I mean, um, when we were praying about going to Israel in March and this whole COVID-19 thing was starting to arise on the world scene, we asked, Lord, should we go? It's sounding dangerous. It's sounding like we might get stuck there. It sounds like we might have to get quarantined. It sounds like we might not be able to fly back into the country. We didn't know what to believe or what to think. And we asked, and Rick went to prayer, and he came to us and he said, the Lord says, who has believed our report? We're going to believe God's report, and we're going to go. And we went, and we had the best, most powerful, blessed Israel trip we've had. So that's... This has become a. I was I was happy when I saw that I got to teach on this um, this go around because it's just kind of been my theme these last few months. Who has in the midst of of the upheaval in our nation, in the midst of the church being shut down and we can't even meet together and we can't even give one another a hug and everyone's feeling isolated and just not quite themselves <coughs> and just hearing so many things, so many reports. <clears throat> we have to decide who we will believe. Yeah. We have to take our stance and be ourselves in a time like this. We can't be just tossed to and fro. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry about my voice. Take a drink here. <clears throat> really happens when I teach. Okay. <clears throat> <clears throat> Verse 39, for this cause they could not believe. For Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes and he hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and perceive with their heart and be converted and I heal them. So again, he is speaking of what has been prophesied about those, especially the Jewish leaders, but the Jewish nation to whom Jesus came to be their long-awaited Messiah. He is, he is quoting the prophetic that I, Isaiah proclaimed, He, God, has blinded their eyes, hardened their hearts, lest they see, lest they perceive, lest they be converted. It doesn't mean that God didn't want them to believe. It doesn't mean they had no choice. <clears throat> but to repeatedly reject God, repeatedly and repeatedly, and choose evil, to call evil good and good evil. There comes a time when God brings a judicial blindness of eyes <clears throat> and hardening of hearts. So this is a warning. This is a warning to us. Does God want us blind? Does he want us to have hard hearts? No, of course not. But he will not contend with us forever. That's what the prophet is saying. If we are intent on our rebellion our way, our preference, 
our unbelief, he'll let us have it. There comes a point where he'll say, okay, I'll let you have that. Let's turn over to Romans 1. Uh, It's kind of a long passage. Um, Could I have you read that for us, Kathy? And I'll, I'll recover myself here. I didn't give that to you, but start in verse 18 of Romans 1 and just keep on going. This describes our world today, if this, this passage of Scripture, Romans 1, 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against <coughs> all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, animals, and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up to the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And likewise the men gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing, committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves a due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but will give approval to those who practice them. Thank you. <clears throat> so you see three times here it says, God gave them over. God gave them over. If we insist upon this, he will eventually give you over to it, if that's what you want. Rebellion is exalting our own will, our standards, our thoughts above the knowledge of God. Refusing his his claim to absolute authority and righteousness and establishing alternate standards, religion, self-righteousness, methods that we prefer above him. <clears throat> if we insist upon doing that, at a point he'll say, go ahead and do it. So this is what Isaiah has prophesied um, will happen not only in Israel at the time of Jesus, but it's happening in our world today. Amen? <coughs> The good news is it can be reversed at any time. <laughs> it, it, as Kathy began to read this passage, it says the wrath of God is revealed against those who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. This is how it begins. The truth is there and you suppress it. So this can be reversed and that's the good news. All you have to do is say, Lord, I'm confused. I, I've wrestled with truth. And I've, I've been refusing truth. I ask you to lead me into all truth. I ask you to open my eyes. I repent of suppressing the truth and substituting my, my truth, my preferences for your truth. 
I, I've told people this so many times when they come and say, I'm so confused, I don't know what's right. I say, you can't think your way out of confusion. You can only obey your way out of confusion. So this passage that, that Kathy read that is a fulfillment of what the prophet Isaiah said the world would be like, um, <clears throat> it's, it's mass confusion, isn't it? It's just every truth has been suppressed and people are living according to their own lusts and their own impulses and preferences and they don't know what is right. But that is, there is a remedy for that. You can obey your way out by saying, Lord, I choose to believe your truth. Whether I fully understand it or not, I choose truth. And he will be faithful to meet you there. Um, I think you have Matthew 7, 13 through 14. This also is part of the remedy <clears throat> of not having to be under this sentence of the prophet Isaiah of being hardened and blinded. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Okay. So what does that say to you, Kathy, about what we're talking about? Um, it tells me that there is a, um, a very narrow way that the truth is pretty – there's one truth. Yeah. There's one way, and – tells you now, I guess we better start asking and praying. And it's, and it's, it's not broad, right? No, I mean, not. as, as I, you also hear me say, any dead fish can float downstream. If you just go with the flow, you'll end up wherever. You have to choose the narrow gate. Yeah. <coughs> and it's the, the dead fish floating downstream is easy. It takes no effort. The choice of the narrow gate costs everything. Mm-hmm. Also, Second Thessalonians is part of the same theme. Second Thessalonians 2, 8 through 13. Um, and then that lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders, and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish, because... They did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they might believe what is false. (coughs) So, this is a warning to us, guys. We need to receive the love of the truth. We must not suppress the truth. We must not substitute the truth for something that's more pleasing or comfortable preferable to us. And that is the remedy to not be under this sentence that was prophesied by Isaiah that our hearts become hardened, eyes become blinded, is to have a love of the truth. So just pray, God, give me a love for your truth and show me where I am choosing my own truth instead of yours. And he will be faithful to do that. Because he doesn't want us blind and hard. God has called us and and chosen us by spirit and faith in truth. That's in, um, that's in verse 13 here in Thessalonians. God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the spirit and faith in the truth. God wants us to have the truth. He doesn't withhold the truth from us. So don't ever think that God isn't, you know, God, you're just not telling me. You're not showing me the truth. He ha- truth is, is not a thing. It's a person. 
It's truth with a capital T. Truth is Jesus, and he wants you to know Jesus. But I know some of you wrestle with this, feeling like, I just don't get it, and I don't understand it, and God, you're just not showing me. And you need to just begin to pray, no, God, he has chosen me to, to have faith in the truth, and he wants to reveal his truth to me, and Lord, I ask you to reveal it to me. Um, did you have something to say, Matt? Please. This like reminds me so much of Jacob wrestling with God before he crossed over. Um, like he's wrestling with him all night, almost unwilling to let go of you know his own fight yeah. against what God was trying to do in his life. Yes. And I think that's so such a good image for us because. Like, it's not easy <laughs> to right. give up to the truth. Like, yes. it wasn't easy for Jacob. Like, he had to fight all night to do it. Right. Just like us, we have to fight, fight, fight. Like, it's yes. such an overcoming thing. Like, you look in Revelation when he, Jesus is talking to the churches. He's always like, to he who overcomes, because there is an overcoming, like, yeah. fight in this whole thing. So, yes. it's you know, it's very difficult. these concepts and strongholds are so strong in our minds. Things that just got in there from the time we were little, they, they have to be overcome, as Matt said. So back to John um, 12 to see if we can finish this passage. These things Isaiah said because he saw his glory and he spoke of him. Now he's referring to what happened to Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, 1 and 2. Kathy's got that? In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Yes. So the prophet Isaiah had this experience of seeing the pre-incarnate Christ. He saw him in his glory. And so the prophet Isaiah saw Jesus. And he wrote and he prophesied of his first coming and of his second coming. But the people, the leaders, in this context here that Jesus has been speaking to over the chapters we've been in, they have chosen to suppress that truth and not even believe their own prophet. Right? Verse 42, Nevertheless, many, even of the rulers, believed in him, but because of the Pharisees they were not confessing him lest they should be put out of the synagogue. So in this mix, there are secret believers. We know there was Nicodemus. We know there was Joseph of Arimathea. And they came through. Later, they became open believers. But, um, you know, this is encouraging to us that in this midst of hard, blind hearts, there were those who were believing, but they were secret believers. And it can start that way. Sometimes it has to start that way. If you think about some very ho- some nations that are restricted, that are hostile to the gospel, um, some Muslims, the ultra-Orthodox Jews, other religions have to start out sometimes being secret believers. They have to keep quiet about their faith for a time until they're established in their hearts, till they really identify with that faith. But then Jesus makes it clear there comes a time You have to declare your faith in him. You can't remain a secret believer all your life. In fact, in Matthew 10, 32, I think you have that one, Matt. Matthew 10, 32, and 33. 
Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. Yes. So these guys, they can be secret believers for a while, but they're going to have to make a choice at a certain point, whether they're going to stand with him or if they're going to deny him before men. Um, this used to not be a problem for us Christians in the United States. You know, who, who, who would be afraid of confessing Jesus before men? But there is mounting pressure upon us now, isn't there, to back off, back down, be more politically correct, be tolerant of absolutely everything, of all philosophies, all lifestyles, and, and of pure evil. And Christian leaders and believers are being required as never before to make up our minds. Whose truth are we going to believe? Whose report? Who has believed our report? Do we believe 100% in this word? Are we willing to be persecuted for this word? Are we willing to stand fast when those who don't believe in this word come against us? Are we willing to choose that narrow gate? Kathy spoke of. Um, 2 Timothy 1.8 is one more scripture we have. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner. Be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Okay, so that's Paul writing to Timothy, don't be ashamed. Um, and also in Second Timothy 3, very interesting, uh, I'm in First Timothy, that's why I'm not finding it. Second Timothy 3, realize this in last days, Difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. That's kind of like the list we read in Romans 1. Unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. That's the shocking. Verse 5 is the shocking one. This is within the church, not the world. (laughs) Yeah, this is within Christendom. Okay, and um, back to John chapter 12. Let's see if we can finish this up. And Jesus cried out. I'm in verse um, 44. Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. And he who beholds me, beholds the one who sent me. He's saying, I and the Father are one. You who call yourselves sons of Abraham, who is um, the son of God, (coughs) you are looking at the one who is one with God. I have come as a light into the world, that everyone who believes in me may not remain in darkness. And if anyone hears my voice, my sayings, and does not keep them, I do not judge him. Hang on to that. Put your finger there because we're gonna, that's where we're going to end up. I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him. 
at the last day. For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me commandment what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. So he makes it very clear that there are not many ways to eternal life. There is one way. One God who sent his one Son, who is also God along with the Holy Spirit. And in verse 47, Jesus says, I've given everything, I've given everything I have. I have brought light, I have brought truth to deliver everyone who's in darkness. And he says, I am not here to judge, but to save. In verse 48, it says, the word will judge him at his second coming because this word, the Old Testament, which the that's all they had at this time, right? That's what the Pharisees, the leaders of the law had. They didn't have the New Testament. But every word of the Old Testament points to Jesus. It points, it points, it points, it points to Jesus. So the word itself will judge. <coughs> Jesus makes it so clear here. He couldn't be more clear. He is giving them a last chance. Remember I said this is his last public pronouncement. He's giving them one last chance to hear. Jesus didn't come as a good man. He didn't come as another prophet. He says, I came from the Father. He and the Father are one. And I'm opening the way to eternal life. He can't say it more clearly. He can't make a more open invitation. So when I, when I saw that, I, do not, I did not come to judge. I do not judge him. If anyone hears my sayings but doesn't receive them, I don't judge them. thought, you know what? You know what? God doesn't have to judge us, say, you're in, you're out. We judge ourselves. See, with God, with our God, with the one true God, judgment is not based on a scale of good and bad. Mm -hmm. Like, how good have your works been? How bad have your works been? Judgment is not based on, do I measure up? Judgment is not based on, am I good enough? I want some of you to hear this because you need to hear this. Because some of you struggle all the time afraid that God is judging you. That God is measuring you all the time. Are you good enough? Are you measuring up? Is your good better than your bad? Some of you have this struggle all the time. And because of that struggle, it reveals that you're not really believing this word. In fact, I, su- I submit to you, you're suppressing the truth. Amen. If you believe God is judging you. Amen. Jesus said, I didn't judge. <clears throat> the word will judge you. Yeah. We decide our own judgment. And our judgment, your judgment, Kaylee Bleakman, your judgment, Kathy Fallon and Matt Fallock and everyone else, your judgment. Betty McKinney, is based on one thing. Do I believe this report? (laughs) Do I believe, is Jesus Christ who he says he is? To me, really and personally, do I believe that? I make my own judgment based on that. In um, John 6, 28, we're going to finish up here. We've got to finish up because we have a meeting to go to. John 6, 
28. They said therefore to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? This is the mindset of how do I get God's approval that he's happy with me, that he would not judge me, that I fall short, right? What's his answer? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. That's your work. That's the work you will be judged on. Do you believe? (laughs) Your work, my work, Kaylee, Kathy, Matt, our work is to believe in him whom he has sent. So get the good, bad, do I measure up out of your head. That is a different truth than this word. Get that out of your thinking today. Will you do that? Um, go back to John 12 and, and read it where Jesus gives an open invitation and say, Lord, I believe your report and I'm not ashamed of you. I don't care if others don't agree. I believe with that statement of faith, you have passed out of judgment into perfect eternal life in the everlasting kingdom of God. And that, when he looks at you, he says, that's your identity. That's your position. That's your security. That's your definition. You are struggling day by day. Where do I stand with God? Is he mad with me? Is he sad with me? Is he disappointed with me? Is he judging me for this and that? I want you to be set free from that. And say, Lord, my work, you have told me. Your word tells me. My work is is one thing, to believe, to believe your report. And upon that, that word judges you. So praise God, we are free of judgment because we believe. Amen. God bless you today. Be at peace and we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.laterain.com for more teachings. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.laterain.com for more teachings. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.laterain.com.